0: All right, what's up, guys? It's time for episode 17 of Believe in Queens. I'm Joe Serralo in appropriate fashion, dressed like a Yankees fan tonight. Joining me, as always, Mets legend Anthony Wrecker and the man himself, Tyler Ward Wardy, NYM. And of course, just like the first 16 episodes of Believe in Queens, this one is also brought to you by Bet Online. Head on over to betonline.ag. You can get the latest odds, lines, news, and developments in the world of sports. Get your baseball bets in. Get your NFL futures in. Week one, just a couple of weeks away, that Thursday night game between the Bills and the Rams coming up right here in L.A. I can't wait. So head over to BetOnline and use the promo code BELIEVE50. That's BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V-5-0. For your first time, 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, it's where the games begin Look, Anthony, Tyler, we've got so much to get to, right? We've got a disappointing Subway Series Part 2 in the worst borough in the Bronx. We've got a great weekend coming up, four games with the Rockies. Of course, old-timers day, Stevie Cohen bringing that back. We've got some injury news, hopefully a lot of good news Tyler's going to dive into. But first, I've got to respond because I've had 48 hours of Yankee fans in my text messages Uh, in my Twitter DMs, in my mentions, and I've just got to say something to what is the most insufferable fan base, not just in baseball, but in sports.
1: Talk your shit, Joe.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm sorry. I'm gonna get up on my soapbox and I'm gonna let everyone who can't count past the number 27 to know if you are my age or Tyler's age, you've seen one, you've seen one. So right off the bat, I want to address that. Your 27 argument, means absolutely nothing. You're sitting here after splitting a four-game season series with the Mets, going two and two, and you're acting like you just won the World Series. In fact, I've got one specific Yankee fan who's part of my friend group from back home who's been texting me all night. I saw him Friday night when I was back in New York, and I asked him how many games a year he watches. He works remotely, sits at a desk. There is a TV in his office. He can watch every game. He said, I watch about 20 to 30 a year. So to the Fairweather fans, he's not the only one. There's a lot of y'all out there. The Fairweather fans, whose only argument is, oh, 27. When you're watching 20 to 30 games a year, and I tell you, man, how about that Blue Jays series? They just took three out of four from y'all. And all of a sudden, your answer is, oh, well, you know, I don't really watch the games. But yet, on a Tuesday night, you're dialed in. To all of you Fairweather fans, grow up. You want to come and tell me that my existence as a Mets fan, my life as a Mets fan is miserable? I'm going to stand up here and be loud and pound my chest when the Mets are the second best team in baseball right now, because I watched 120 plus games when they were going 74 and 88, 73 and 89, because I was at Citi Field 20 to 25 times a year during those times before I started working there. And I was there 80 times a year. All right. I've been through the ups and downs all the Wilpon years. I've dealt with it all. I've cheered for this team through it all. So when you watch 20 games a year, you gabagool-eating fool, and you want to say 27, I'm sorry. Just get the hell out of here. You don't deserve to breathe the same air as a real baseball fan. This is the least intelligent, least in-touch fan base in baseball, bar none. There's no doubt about it. You're, You're Cowboys fans on the diamond. That's what you guys are.
1: Anything else you have to say, Joe?
0: A lot, but uh, a lot. But I'm, gonna, I'm gonna cap it there.
2: Okay. I respect all of that, and I really appreciate the last line—the the Cowboys fan on a diamond. That was a really good way to put that. I like that one. That
0: oh, nothing scripted, man. Too. Nothing scripted. It's, it's it's what they are. And ironically, the one person who was texting me all night uh, is also a Cowboys fan, born and raised in New York. And is he a Lakers uh, oh, fan? By the way, went to college in Boston and has worn. Red Sox jerseys to games with his college buddies and cheered oh for the Red Sox. God. Something that no true Yankee fan would ever, ever do. So You see
2: a Mets fan wearing a Phillies jersey going to a Philly game?
0: Right? That's what I... I mean, you know, you've worn a Braves jersey, but we don't talk about that. It's like <laughs> hey, Bruno, you know? <laughs> hey,
2: When they're paying you that much, you do it, too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. That's exactly. Nice, but nice no, it's like I said, I, there is no circumstance I would wear a Phillies uh jersey to Citizens Bank and root for them. A Braves jersey to wherever the hell it's called and root for them. No circumstance. No circumstance. <laughs> <Whatever it's good. laughs>
1: I've even uh, Is worn it my... Sun Trust
0: or is it something else now? Truest. It's truest Truist. now. Sun <laughs> is what I was thinking. I've
1: even I've even worn my Mets apparel when I went to um Phillies versus Dodgers game earlier this year. You know, I'm not I'm not holding anything back. I'm gonna wear them wherever I go, as you should. It's funny, my
0: first time to Chavez Ravine was a Phillies-Dodger game uh, oh, wow. back in 2010, and I wore my orange Jose Reyes shirt at the time. There yeah, you go. It's you know, no Phillies, no Braves, uh, under no circumstance. And so, but that's the nature of the fair weather Yankee fans who, you know, when the Mets beat them, and this is the final final leg of my rant, uh, I'll, I'll end my, my Shakespearean soliloquy here. When the Mets beat them two in a row at City Field, they were quote-unquote exhibition games that didn't count, that didn't matter. But now the Yankees win two, and it seems like the first two games they've won in the month of August, and they're celebrating like they just won the freaking World <laughs> Series. So give All me right. a break. You guys are clowns. Tyler, Wreck, you guys take it away. <laughs> All
1: right. I, I need I need to cut in for a second because, as, as we know, <sighs> if you guys were watching earlier today on the MLB Network, of course, Anthony was on Off Base, a great segment, of course, for uh, the show. Make sure to check it out if you guys haven't already. And Rec, one of his co-hosts, was Keith McPherson, of course, for the fan Diehard Yankees fan, the renowned uh, guy on the fan to say again after the Yankees, of course, got swept by the Mets. That Yeah, we didn't take him seriously like spring train. You know, he, of course, didn't acknowledge the Yankees downward spiral, you know, losing six straight series, you know, naturally. But it was funny because when you saw that and then you saw his reaction, I was in attendance for game one in the Bronx. So was Keith. He's, he's jumping for joy. It's World Series victory for him after that game, and when you were on set with him today, Rick, I really just wish you brought one of our schmuck shirts and handed it to him. I think <laughs> it really would have been fitting, but again, may, maybe another time, maybe another time.
0: Oh, amazing.
2: That was a good plug for the shirt and a good way to... Keith is is certainly uh, looking to get under the skin of Mets fans, and he has a way of doing it, I can tell you that, and and it works sometimes, but Boy, did I want to, I wanted to talk to him about it on the show today and get a chance to, we, we had some live stuff going on and we didn't get to do it, but what are you going to do?
0: Sometimes it's how the ball rolls. Hey, uh, Wardy, you know, one thing that I thought was interesting because Yankee fans like to mention the last, you know, series, how we were managing, like it was the world series, you know, Buck was (laughs) treating it like it was the world series, right? Joely Rodriguez, when he came in the game wreck, I think I was trying to save your phone battery and I texted this to Wardy on the side. I said, what is Buck waving the white flag? Why is Joeli Rodriguez, you know, coming into this game? I don't think, should there be a World Series? Should there be a Subway Series World Series? I don't think Joelli is on that roster. So, you know, what do you think, Wardy, about the decisions tonight? High stakes game, not only because it's the Subway Series and there's a lot of emotional baggage attached, but also because the Braves are beating up on the Pirates right now and they're suddenly two games back. So it was a high stakes game if you're watching the standings. What do you think about the decision to bring Joely in there? I mean, obviously the offense had its issues, but it was 2-2. It was a clean slate at that point, and that kind of stunned me.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely rightful criticism, you know, because they end up bringing in Adovino, and he, of course, gives up that RBI single to Judge. Judge, of course, on MVP pace this year, continued to tear it down against the Mets, unlike what he did the first time they matched up. And, you know, when I saw that matchup with Joely, I wasn't encouraged by it either. Now I will give Joely credit where credit's due, He's pitched fine for the Mets lately, you know, in the past couple of series in which he's been in there, especially against the Phillies. But again, that's a Phillies lineup that is very more hit or miss without Bryce Harper, who will be returning potentially as soon as this weekend. Hit a bomb his first at bat today in rehab, so whoop de do. But I saw that matchup, wasn't too positive about it, and I I honestly would have preferred Ottavino from the jump because one thing that we learned with Adam Ottavino is as rock solid as he has been in the bullpen for the Mets this year, he has not done great with inherited runners on. And that's something that naturally concerns me when you see him in that spot. And then ultimately again, he gives up that fourth run that the Yankees score. But if I'm being quite frank, this doesn't just go down to as much Joeli. I mean, you look at Alonzo there and we'll backtrack into the game. But to see that, you know, that bloop to right, something that normally goes the Mets' way was reverse rolls this time, wasn't able to handle it. And the Yankees got some momentum that way. You see how the Mets performed as frustrating as the bullpen was down the stretch in this game, too. I mean, when you don't score more than two runs in each of the first two games and you go, what, one for 12, one for 13, with runners a scoring position, that's your problem, okay? So I'm not I, – I get it was a close game, and maybe it was a momentum swing, but at the end of the day, the Mets had endless opportunities early on against a Frankie Montas that truly was not comfortable throughout the first couple innings, and they allowed him to get in a groove. So, I mean, if you're going to place blame, yes, you can nitpick the things about the bullpen, but at the end of the day, I'm a firm believer that the Mets actually just came out and had Compton offense in these two games. And actually, again, we're gassed. I understood it a long road trip. I can understand those factors. But I you mean, know, they offense need to be better. Alonzo really looked brutal for the majority of this road trip outside of that big game against the Phillies one of the four and then that big two RBI base knock in the one game against the Braves I mean he just didn't have enough going when the Mets need him to most and same thing was honestly with Lindor and others in this matchup so I mean we can nitpick all day but for me personally I'm focused on the offense first and foremost they did not get the job done
0: Rick,
2: yeah, but be honest, you. But I, I think that Uh, Look, you guys are being nice talking about the long road trip. You come back, you get to sleep in your own bed and go to Yankee Stadium. It's not a road trip. I've been there. I've done it. Those are home games. Like, I mean, you got to go to the other stadium, but uh, you're not feeling the same way you are on the road. Uh, All that said, I thought with Joelle coming in the game there, I think it was an opportunity and Buck was trying to take advantage of, okay, we got to get somebody else in there. Our bullpen's been taxed. We've been throwing a lot of arms out there for the last series. Uh, you know, we've had some starters go down. We've had other things go down. All all in the middle of that road trip. So realistically, okay, where's a spot we can use Joe Ellie seven eight nine right there? Let's get him in there. And if it ends up going to Ben Benintendi, he's left-handed. Okay, Joe Ellie. Uh, look, when they made the trade with, for you know for him for Castro, I was going, wait, this guy doesn't get lefties out. What's the point? Why are you getting a lefty just to get a lefty? But that's beside the point. Uh, He came in, gave up the hit to Cabrera, and then that blooper down the line, you know, look, there's not a whole lot that uh, he can do with that. That was was all Pete. Pete's got to make a better play there. When people say that Pete's getting better at first base, I I just always tend to laugh because I love (laughs) Pete. He tries so hard, and I seriously, I love him, and he works hard at it. He's never going to be a great first baseman. He's just not. That's just part of it. He's going to hit fifty homers, hopefully, but he's not going to, you know, really play great first base. Um, That those kinds of things going to happen. And then to me, it was really about the pitch to Benintendi was a, a fastball middle away. I don't know what we're trying to do there. I mean, left on left, I'm trying to carve him up. Use use some off speed. Do something else, not just throw a fastball middle middle. Basically, I think it was a, a one count. Um, and then. When Adovino came in, I was really disappointed. Uh, Look, he got LeMahieu, made LeMahieu look silly. Okay, all right, maybe he's got a shot here. Judge is coming up, and in my head I'm going, all right, It's I think it was first and third at the time, or first and second maybe, but I'm just viewing that situation as a catcher as there's a base open because it's Aaron Judge, and I'm not throwing him a strike. I'm going to bury sliders, see if he swings, and if he doesn't, take your base. And for Adovino to hang a slider there, middle, middle, like – Look, it happens. Baseball is a really hard game. One thing I'm not going to do is come on here and say like X player should have done this better or should have done that. Things happen. You don't always play as good as you want to. That's the nature of baseball. But in those situations, a guy like Adovino, you have to be able to trust him to make pitches. And he he couldn't. He couldn't make uh, couldn't basically bury pitches against a guy that you do not want to throw a strike to. And I think that's one of the situations where you can say, you got to be better right there because that's not that's not going to work. I can't trust him come October if he can't show me that he can do that in this situation now. And we've talked about that on the show. I, I, I have a hard time trusting him because of his – propensity at times to walk guys to get a little bit wild to get a little bit erratic and you know look you hang a slider to a guy like that that's not going to it's not going to end well he's lucky it was just a single to be honest with you uh they score the run and then yeah to me the offense was certainly a big problem in this series because realistically we looked at these matchups and we said okay at first we thought it was going to be you know maybe Scherzer de Gram ended up being Scherzer Walker which we knew was a possibility it was still a plus matchup for the Mets the way that Montas had been throwing the ball Scherzer against Domingo Herman, like, okay, like we, we know our pitchers are going to show up. And for the most part they did. I mean, Scherzer gave up four, but he, you know, he didn't have his best, but he battled out there. I thought the fastball, the judge was just a bad pitch decision. Same thing tonight, actually on the home run that judged it out. Why are you throwing him a fastball right there? Didn't understand it. But to, to me outside of that, I mean, they didn't pitch poorly. It was really just the offense didn't show up, which we thought they would against that pitching staff that had been struggling mightily. And so realistically, that's where most of the blame, you know, kind of goes in this series. But again, things are going to happen throughout the course of a season. Hitters are going to get hot. Hitters are going to get cold. Your team's going to get hot. Team's going to get cold. You just hope you're able to put together whatever you need to in certain situations. Like you said today, Tyler, it was those first two innings against Montas. You got to capitalize there. When you don't, that's when you can start to see the game go the other way. And that's exactly what happened in this one.
0: Yeah, four left on base in the first two innings. I mean, the yep. second that happens, you're like, you had him. You had him on the ropes. 25 pitches in the first, and, and to to walk away with nothing, Alonzo and Vogel back two. And, you know, Vogel's been great, hit the home run last night. Two really bad at-bats. Vogel, you know, he's done something that I'm starting to notice he's doing a little too much of for my liking, and that's just letting pitches down the middle go by. I know he's got that phenomenal eye, but wasn't the spot to do that, and him and Pete back-to-back just really bailed Montas out. But, you know, you talked about – not wanting to call out guys for missing a pitch. And that's, you you can't do it, right? I mean, I think it'd be hypocritical unless we're going to go out there and we're all going to execute every pitch in the exact spot it's called for. You, You can't do it. But it's the pitch selection. You touched on that as well. As a catcher, as a guy who's called many games at the MLB level, man. I mean, I said this personally. I don't know if I texted it to our group or to someone else. Tonight, I said, I don't think anyone on this team not named Jake or Diaz should throw a fastball to Aaron Judge. So what what's going on with the pitch selection there that Scherzer throws a fastball? And even though he got away with a couple the first matchup, didn't get away with it yesterday. Ty got burned now twice against Judge this year. And Adavino wasn't a fastball. It was just it, it was a hanger, dick down the middle. But I, I mean, just from someone who's called games, you know, would you call a single fastball and hope, hey, maybe we can sneak one by him or, or none at all?
2: I'm not trying to do it in the zone. No, I, if I'm doing it, it's it's going to be to set something else up. Uh, It doesn't mean that you, I mean, look, you, you can't just go all off speed. You go all off speed to someone. Eventually they make an adjustment. Eventually they do something. And realistically, the only off speed pitch that's really made him look silly this year or in these four games has been Scherzer's slider. So that's why that was really head scratching to me that Scherzer went with the slider there. And the other thing with Walker is look, he's got a splitty. And if you look statistically, at least the one pitch Aaron judge has struggled with is the off-speed, not breaking balls, off-speed, so change-ups and splitties. That's the one thing he struggled with. He threw a 2-2 in that count and then tried to come back with the heater 3-2, which I did not understand. 3-2 in that situation. 2-2, maybe you try to sneak a fastball, but you do it in, off, up, something like that, try to get him to swing his bat, where the only thing he can do is break his bat kind of a thing, and if you miss... Or you go up, up, out of the zone. If, if you miss, no big deal. You miss out of the zone. Then you come back 3-2 the splitty. You don't do it the other way around. And that's something that, to me, is kind of like basic catcher knowledge. Something that you learn coming up through the minor leagues. Because that 2-2 is typically where hitters are thinking, okay, I could get off speed. 3-2 is when they're looking for a fastball. They're looking for something they can do something with because they've gotten themselves back in account. So realistically, you gave him life, and then you gave him a pitch that he was obviously looking for. He doesn't... I'm not gonna look. Aaron Judge is amazing. He can do a lot of things that most other people can't do. But 95, if you're not at least looking for it or ready for it, you're not gonna do what he did to it and hit it. I don't even know how far it went. It looked like it went 500 feet. Or he 50, absolutely 30. murdered that ball. So that's what I mean. Like it, that count. That's when you go to your off speed pitch, not necessarily two two. They they kind of just did it backwards for me, and that that just wasn't wouldn't have worked.
0: I agree, man. You saw what happened on that splitty 2 2. It was a weak foul ball, barely, barely got on top. Go of right it. back it, to it. Exactly. Go right back and, if, to it. and if you walk them, there's two outs and a guy on first. No big deal. You know, no harm, yeah. no foul. Uh, Tyler, I'm sorry. I know you've been waiting there a while. I know you got your uh, your, your hand doing the thing. I'm surprised he, didn't have, pan, he I, yeah. I, <laughs> I didn't have the pen, but he had have.
1: You know what? Else? Have you guys seen Breaking Bad before? No. I um, haven't yet. No. You want to understand. No, never mind. Never mind. But okay. So I just want to add to what Rec was saying because you're right. And for me, what I noticed, especially being in attendance, to for him to give up that bomb to judge, which would not have been a home run in City Field, but again, we're not going to nitpick the short porch thing. Um, what I noticed was he hit that ball pretty good to right. I did. don't know. He I'm did just, I, yeah, he I, know. Know. I, I did. do
0: think the Twitter page that does that said that was actually a home run in all 30. Because at first he hit my that good. He hit that good.
1: My mistake, yeah. my mistake. Okay. All right. Well, what I want—the point I want to make though—is that Max. One thing that I've noticed with him this year is that, especially when he, does- when he doesn't have his best stuff, we've seen it not just there with Judge, but with Harper and Schwarber being more susceptible to the home run ball. It feels like it's almost Max and his confidence that ego kicks in, knowing that you know I'm a bad mother effort, and I know that I can pump the zone and I trust my stuff to strike this guy out regardless of the pitch that I have. So for whatever reason, they didn't call slider there. And again, the fastball was higher than he wanted, because if I'm not mistaken, I remember hearing in the post game it was written actually that it on the O2 County out of here going down, but McCann was setting up higher and that threw him a little bit off. So they had some miscommunication that we saw from game one that unfortunately was a factor in the Mets loss at the end of the day. But same thing with Taiwan again today. I, I was just as baffled as you guys were to see him throwing the meatball right down the pipe. But Again, I it seems like for whatever reason. I mean, you would understand this better record than I would as a fan. But especially when you do see pitchers pressing a little bit, gaining a little bit of jams, it's like if they know that they still have good grip, good control of their fastball. That a lot of times that that is normally the pitch that they're going to favor in moments, it, regardless on who the hitter is. It just wasn't the right placement for both of them. When again, we saw in the first strikeout in game one against Judge, it was exactly what Max did three times at City Field, just slider pumping it down and away, down and away, down and away. Couldn't understand why again he didn't throw that one there in that second at bat to judge Lee the home run, but that's besides the point. It was just it was interesting. A lot of Mets pitchers did not have the proper pitch selection that you would have expected facing a team that did they did so well against in that first matchup back at Citi Field.
0: So another question uh, for both of you, Rick, I'll start with you because Tyler, we talked about this a little bit in real time. The decision, and, and this kind of goes back to Joe Ellie, but not looking at him, looking at Lugo who has really dialed it up for the subway series for both of his appearances this year, would you have sent him back out? I know on the season earlier in the year, especially really struggled uh, going back out for a second inning, but he seemed to have gotten better with that lately. Would you have sent him back out there for the seventh inning rack?
2: I don't think there's anything wrong with sending him back out there specifically because the way he threw the ball in that first inning or in that inning was, was really impressive. Uh, he threw some really good curveballs balls when he needed the fastball. It was there and it had life on it. It was up in the zone. Um, I Look, it was one of those outings where you think of, okay, this was the Seth Lugo we saw three years ago that just dominated out of the bullpen and was one of the best relievers in all of baseball. And that's what people have been kind of waiting to see again. It hasn't quite uh, come to fruition over the last couple of years, but realistically, yeah. I mean, I think it wouldn't have been a terrible idea at the same time. Look, look, I'm not going to question Buck Showalter very much. He may have had his reasons. The only thing I wouldn't necessarily understand is they do have the day off tomorrow, but we don't know how Lugo's been feeling. We don't know some of the behind-the-scenes things. These guys, these managers, they have cards with, you know, it's got yellow on some guys' names, green on some guys' names, red on some guys' names. You know, can they go? Yes, but they – we. you they can only go one today. They have reasons for everything that they do, whether it's workload or or just previous you know work that they put in. Maybe he didn't come into the last couple of games, but maybe he got up a couple of times. So they keep track of that, and they still consider those when they talk about how far a guy can go. Maybe that had something to do with it. But, yes, if all things considered were green light, then, yeah, I would have stuck him back out there because he looked great, and why not let him at least try to go out there and get a couple more outs, um, especially, like I said, with the way he was throwing the baseball.
0: Yeah, nine thirty-one p.m. Eastern time. My text to our own Tyler Ward Lugo for another. We're off tomorrow. Why not? I mean, he, he looked he looked great. His curve, his yeah. slider too. You know, we always talk about that Lugo curveball. I feel like this year he's throwing his slider more, and, yeah. uh, and and it's really almost as good. The guy's got the spin rate stuff down, like he's been pitching for the Astros for the last five years with Spider Attack and whatnot. Uh, you know, he's just he's got good stuff going. Um, Wardy. Offense. Who concerns you the most moving forward? Long-term concerns. I mean, you know, Nimmo and Pete have been struggling for a while now. Nimmo obviously, you know, put really good wood on one tonight, uh, but these are two guys who are really crucial for different reasons to this lineup, and they've been struggling for extended periods of time. What's the level of concern? Well, you first, and then uh, we'll go to rec for it.
1: I would say in the short term right now, it's honestly Alonzo just because I felt that we saw on way too many occasions during this 10 game road trip where he was in numerous spots where less than two out multiple on grounding into double plays pop flies in the infield or shallow outfield. I mean, Pete just did not step up to the plate nearly as much for a guy that you absolutely need to there in that fourth spot every single day. I mean, it's as simple as that. He's the reason why the Mets have gone a large portion of their production offensively. He's your home run hitter. I mean, when you do not have those things from Alonzo and he goes in these great stretches without the home runs, you're then dependent on guys that maybe aren't as known for their extra base hits. And thankfully for Marcana's sake, he has been one of those guys to step up that we saw starting Atlanta, then of course a big game in Philly, and now he even had a double again tonight in the uh, Game 2 loss that we're recording right now at the time of recording this. But I would say in the short term, it's definitely Alonzo. The offense greatly goes through him as it does through others. But he's that guy that, again, McNeil can get these base knocks and get these doubles, But at the end of the day, you need these guys that can drive them in. So without Pete really being on a groove, I am concerned for the amount of depth the Mets will have in their offense in the short term. But in the long term, I think it really comes down to the bomb, the order, and the lineup. It's one, you know, what is the future going to be at third base? And we'll get into Eduardo Escobar shortly when we get on health updates. But Eddie, of course, splitting time expected with Beatty. How is that position going to fare? I mean, Beatty had a nice game today, gone base three times, whether it was a fielder's choice, and then it was because of Higashioka interfering, and then the opposite field base knocked to snap his over 15 skid. But not only the third base position, just to see how consistent it can be, I'm also looking at the catching position more than anything because as great as Nito is with a MLB leading right now, 12 sacrifice bunts, at the end of the day, you still need more production. James McCann has, by all means, not looked good at the plate. And let's be frank, defensively, as of late, he has looked more like a shell of what he once was earlier in the year when he was in like 99 percentile in framing. So I am not, I have not been encouraged from an offensive or defensive standpoint when McCann wasn't necessarily all that impressed with Nito tonight. But again, I'll give him that if the doubt it was his first game back from coming off the COVID list. At this juncture, I would honestly prefer Michael Perez. I think Michael Perez, as of late, has been the Mets' best defensive catcher, has even had some lightning in a bottle hits for the Mets, a couple RBIs in the Philly series. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the Mets are all the catching position going forward, internally, at least on the current roster. But yeah, short-term, definitely Alonzo, but I expect him to snap out of it and no better way to do it against the Rockies. And then long-term, certainly the eight and nine spots, just to see if the Mets can get continued depth there or that's going to be more automatic outs on, say, every two or three days.
0: Look, Rick, I don't know how good you are at sacrifice bunting, but I know that you definitely have more pops still in you than any guys uh, we got behind the plate right now, man. What's your uh, biggest lineup concern? Pete, Nimmo, something else? Uh,
2: I think I think it rests on Pete, and it's unfortunate because he's been so great for this entire season. But unfortunately, they rely on him too much. And I think that comes down to a little bit of – Roster construction, and I think they expected a little bit more power out of some guys. Uh, Lindor has given them some power, but outside of that, it's it's Pete and Lindor. That's it. I mean, these there's nobody else supplying much power uh, for this team, which is unfortunate because uh, they're able to put the ball in play so well. But at times, you're going to go through slumps, and when you don't have a couple of guys just at least hitting homers, it, it's really you're really going to struggle. And I think with this lineup, the way it's constructed right now, this is the other thing. I, I think they could move. Whether it's Vogelbach or Ruff, depending on if it's a righty or lefty, I don't think they have to have them behind Pete. I don't think with Vogie behind Pete tonight, it sets you up to have two guys who could potentially strike out. It sets you up to have two guys who could potentially, yeah, ground into double plays, that kind of thing. Why not separate that power? Because Vogie becomes a power hitter when he's facing right-handed pitching, right? Like, mm-hmm. okay, got another power bat in the lineup, great. But it's then it's basically Lindor, Pete, and Vogie, and then. Who comes after that? Who's before that that really supplies a ton of power? There's nothing else in the lineup. So you can not necessarily pitch around it, but if those guys don't have their A game, you're in trouble. Why not put Jeff McNeil behind Pete? Now you got a contact guy behind Pete, someone who puts the ball in play. You can't just walk Pete because now you got McNeil slapping the ball over, hitting doubles down the line, whatever. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't expect Pete to score. He almost didn't score tonight on a double. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, <the> <laughs> most <laughs> Mets play to go their way
2: after that I thought okay the momentum's back for the Mets yep, Look at that. exactly yeah um, but realistically I think there's some things they can do even with the construction of the lineup the way they put things together that could just help kind of take some of the burden off of Pete and at least give Vogie betters opportunities with runners on base or with you know with ability to drive the ball to the ballpark where it's not stacked together um, and yeah I, I think you can only echo the fact that the bottom of the lineup doesn't look very good right now, spe- specifically the catcher spot. I mean, I'm not going to attack anybody else in this lineup because I think they've all been doing pretty well. Um, I'm not even going to attack Nito, really. I mean, this guy, outside of early in the season when he was getting consistent playing time, he was doing great with runners in scoring position. He was yep. doing a lot of really good things got hurt he went on the covet il like all kinds of stuff's happened it's tough to get your mojo going hopefully he gets going again I, you know obviously the numbers don't look good right now that's why he is bunting so much and yes i was a great bunter catchers should be great bunters bunting takes two things hand eye coordination which we have we catch the ball a lot we 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 hit like i mean obviously we have hand eye coordination and fearlessness all you have to do is not be afraid of the baseball and you'll get a bunt down Catcher, if you're afraid of the baseball, you're not a catcher. Like, there's no way you can catch. So, yeah, catchers are good bunners. That's it. So yeah, I was going to you
0: know. say onions is what it takes. <laughs>
2: there you go. Yeah. So, uh, look, I, I, I appreciate what he brings with that. McCann has been – I'm not trying to pile on this guy because I, I was one of the people saying to, to bring him over. Sign him. Bring him over here. I thought it was a great signing, underrated signing. I thought he would come in, keep working, keep getting better as he was showing over the last couple of years with the White Sox. It just hasn't worked out that way, unfortunately. I mean, he has been – bad as a, as a New York Met and it's not even offensively it is defensively too I saw some things last year I didn't like I see some things this year I don't like I look occasionally he still makes good throws to second base he still does some good things back there but I don't like his pitch calling I never have Um, and occasionally I've seen some balls get away from him that I didn't think should that happens again I'm not going to kill him for it because it happened to me too but at the same time it happens consistently and this is supposed to be your starter that's where I get a little bit okay that's that's a problem um, and I, I would agree with Michael Perez. Maybe, I mean, I played with this guy. I played with Michael, uh, I, saying that he Who might be, it? you played, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That's not, um, it's a, like honestly uh, it, saying that he's their best option defensively. He's very good back there. Um, he's got good framing numbers. He comes from when I was with him, we were in the Arizona organization together. They were huge on framing. They didn't even think about you unless you could, you know, frame a baseball. That's why they had Jeff Mathis and, um, John Ryan Murphy and guys like that in the big leagues catching because they didn't care if they hit. They only cared if they framed pitches. Um so this guy could do it. He can do things behind the plate. And if he gives you any offense, great. And I think that's honestly what they need right now is their best defensive catcher back there, which I think him and Nito give you. Unfortunately for McCann, he just would be left out in my opinion. But you can't really do that with a guy who's you still have on the books for two years and 20 million after this year.
0: Yeah, I, I mean I agree. I think Perez and Nito is our best catching tandem right now, but you know they're strapped salary wise. Now That doesn't mean McCann has to make the postseason roster necessarily, you know, similarly to what we were talking about just last episode with Escobar come the playoffs. I don't care what you're making. You know, you have to earn that spot on the roster. I I don't like this three catchers and excuse my expression. I think it's bullshit. Three catchers. uh, When, you know, currently the offense is is slumping the way it is. None of these three guys are really hitters Perez. What I like about him is right now he looks the most confident at the plate. You know, he's only what two for 14 is a Met. But I feel like he's put together better at bats than anyone else we have at the catching position. Um, You know, six home. Let
2: me let me let me let me interrupt real quick, Joe. Because the thing with the three catchers and when none of them hit is that at least when you have three, you feel way more comfortable pinch hitting for them in certain situations, like we saw tonight. I think tonight didn't we? Yeah, we pinch hit for Nito. So that that's the thing that that's the thing that it can give you an opportunity to do when you do have three catchers in a situation where none of them are really hitting is you can throw in Naquin, you could throw in rough, you could throw in if Vogi's on the bench or whoever it is, you know, when Guillaume comes back or, or if, you know, Beatty, who, whoever is on the bench can take those ABs from those guys. Um, you know, you could do it once, maybe even twice a game. You know, if, if you're, if you feel like you can go that far, or if you need to go that far. So that's one thing that
0: it offers you. True. And, and that's a great point. Uh, just to, no, to finish up with Perez right now, he looks the most confident at the plate out of any of them, even though he's only two for 14 with the Mets. He's put together good at-bats. He looks like he has a clue. And, and you know, for lack of a better expression, I'm sorry, James McCann does kind of look clueless up at the dish right now. And, uh, and Perez also six home runs. You know, I, I might have said this before. Uh, more than Nito and McCann combined. So every now and then he connects and can send one along. Three
2: homer game this year, I believe.
0: Oh, really? You got half of them in yeah. one shot, huh? That's
2: yeah, all right. all- in one shot it was they were in Pittsburgh I forget who they were playing but yeah it was actually pretty funny I was I was uh at MLB that night doing MLB tonight we interviewed him after the game and I was giving him a hard time because he never hits homers and I was giving him but (laughs) hey I mean he's he had some pop in his bat I mean I saw it and and the dude hit for average when I was there but you could tell he was he was gonna struggle at the big league level a little bit with a good fastball and good breaking balls especially down back foot but um, I, look, I, I'm happy with this what this guy's done with his career, and I think he would be at least, if nothing else, um, very consistent behind the plate.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And look, you know, you guys said it. I don't need to add much uh, to it. Pete's lost right now. I'm hoping this Rockies series that we're about to get into, facing some bad pitching, hopefully he did
2: get a couple will... knocks at the end of this game tonight, did he not?
0: Yeah, because he, he, had, he got it, the run score one from the nail.
2: Yeah, so I, yeah, I, yeah, I think he had a ground ball up the middle, and then he, he laced the line drive to left, didn't he? Correct. I, I don't know, I, oh, but yeah, like right. I, 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 know he laced the line drive to left, and and he he looked at least like he was making sure. Okay, I'm gonna put this ball in play. I'm gonna you know I'm gonna work these abs, and that's the stuff that I I see from Pete now that I didn't see when he first came up. That I just love because you could see a guy who says. OK, I am scuffling right now. I'm struggling. I just broke a bat over my knee early in this game. I'm struggling. So I'm going to come out here and I'm really I'm not even thinking about hitting a ball in the air or, or hitting a home run. I'm just thinking about getting good wood on the ball and hoping it finds a hole. And when I see Pete do things like that, that's what makes me feel like, OK, yeah, this guy, he could be really special for a team like this because he he puts that ego aside every time. And he's all about winning. I love that.
0: He he definitely is. And and you're 100% right. You know, two for four, his average is back up to 270, which, look, if you're going to give me a guy who hits 40 home runs minimum, essentially, a year, and he's hitting 270 as opposed to, you know, uh, an Adam Dunn hitting 210, right, throwback for you, like, I'll take that. 270 is great for a power hitter, especially in a day and age where now more than ever, batting average matters less in the MLB than it ever has. So I love the 270 average. It's just, you know, the two for four, maybe at the stat sheet, it looks good. I struggle with that first at bat so much because yep. that pitch 3-1 that he popped up was a hanger. That was a pitch. Oh, slider right that, down the pipe. Yeah. I mean, it, it. it was, it was out of vino to judge that pitch. It, it was, you know, maybe with a little more velo on it. Like it was a hanger. And that was the kind of pitch Alonzo just needed to turn back to Higashioka and say, I'll take care of this one. And, you know, whether it's a gap shot. It doesn't Hitting to be a whole Hitting's
2: run. tough. Hitting I know, tough.
0: I know. But when, when, you're, when you're
2: not... That's the thing. When you're not going well, you miss that ball. Mm-hmm. When you are going well, you crush it. And to be honest, when you're not going well, that pitch that's two inches off the plate is a strike. And when you are going great, that pitch on the plate is a ball. And so yeah. it's, that's baseball, man. It's crazy. And that's why I say I just see those little things that Pete does like late in the game today. And that's what I, 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 I love what he's done with himself. He's become such a better all-around hitter. And I, I, I'm all for that. I, I'm all for that.
0: No, he definitely has made incredible improvements. Striking out less, putting the ball in play more. I'm not going to take anything away from him. It's been a remarkable year. Guys, don't forget, he's still one RBI, or I guess two RBIs now with Judge's uh, single off Adovino. Two RBIs off the MLB lead. He's still got the NL lead. It, it, nothing to scoff at over here. It's just, you know, you mentioned hitting's really hard. And when you're as damn good at it as Alonzo is, the expectations and the bar get set that much higher. And then everyone's a critic. You know, I will say, since we didn't really touch on Nimmo much, the One thing I'll mention about him had a couple of good ABs tonight, even though his first two I think were bad as the game went on. You know, had that ball that just missed leaving the yard. The biggest thing for Nimo is that throughout this slump, I've noticed he's not seeing as many pitches. He's not a table setter like he's been all year long. You know, he's starting off the game with a two, three pitch at bat. Like it was almost like last night, and not that I was jumping to conclusions after the first at-bat, but when Herman got him on like the second pitch. It was almost like that just set the tone for the rest of the night. It wasn't a Nimmo 9, 10 pitch. Even if I get out, the other pitcher's worn down already type at bat. And he's had fewer of those lately. And that's what concerns me more than even him not getting the base hits. It's just that not prolonging the at bats.
1: Yeah. Warty no, has, I, I see think the that, pen this time. we got the pen this time. The biggest thing about Brandon Nemo is exactly that. I mean, from having that great hot start to the season to now, I, Pitchers have noticed by now how to properly attack nemo right? Especially a guy that's playing the full season now. They know that he's one of the best on base players in all of the league. So, what do you do when you have a guy that has such a great eye of the plate, especially with pitchers out of the zone? You make sure they start to pump and attack and see how he's going to respond. And in doing so, you've seen a lot more swing and miss from nemo I mean, again, that first strikeout against Montas, yes, I think the Mets were a little taken back on Montas touching 98 tonight, but maybe they are expecting a little bit less. Regardless, you can tell that. It was right down the pipe. That's something that we've seen a lot with Nimmo over the past month plus, a guy that has been playing bad but surely has not been playing up to Nimmo Caliber. He's someone where you expect him again to grind out at bats, and usually what has been the case with him in the previous years is even when he doesn't have the bat going, he's still getting on base at least twice a game because he just has an eye locked in. Now, pitchers, I feel from everything that I've seen this year, watching every single game, they're attacking more right down the pipe and up in the zone. And that's something that he has struggled with throughout the year. And again, has had those good games, has had those bad games. But it's imperative for the Mets that they make sure that they get him back with this sharp eye at the plate. Because if you don't have that play setter going on a night to night basis, then already you have yourself a hole in the lineup to begin the game and throughout every course of that turn in the lineup. I wonder, I
2: wonder, I wonder, sorry, I wonder if they're thought process coming into the series, knowing the two starters that they were getting Domingo Herman and Frankie Montas, Domingo Herman fastball change up and a slider guy, Frankie Montas fastball splitty and a slider guy. And I say those pitches in that order, because that's the order that they would tell you. They, those are the pitches they trust fastball change up slider, fastball, splitty slider. I wonder if these hitters, the Mets hitters were thinking to themselves, okay, if we get behind, we got to see it deep. Because that split is coming, that change is coming, and we got it. We got to stay back on it. And the problem is when you get a guy like Montas who's feeling really good that night, pump at ninety eight. That things that thing can get by you. It can get beat you real quick. And look, so it's one of those things where I think maybe their thought process just wasn't perfect for what ended up happening in the game. And that happens sometimes. You have to make sure at times, even though a guy's got a great split, even though he's got a really good changeup, that you're still sitting or thinking fastball that's something we saw from this Mets team a lot last year when they started to think a little bit too much to the plate hopefully the day off and then they can regroup they got a Rockies team that isn't gonna the, their, their pitching staff is not going to be anything like what they saw even though it's the Yankees you know those two guys weren't great coming into this one the Rockies staff is nothing like what they just saw from New York so hopefully they can come back with a better game plan and get themselves back on track in that one
0: well, let's get into the Rockies series. Tyler, you've got a health update. Mets have a day off tomorrow to recover. What's the health update? And we'll dive into the series.
1: Yeah, all positive news for the most part, which is great. You know, we've griped about this bullpen a lot for the Mets and waiting to see when is Tyler McGill, when is Drew Smith, even to a lesser extent, a little bit Tommy Hunter, when are they returning? Well, the good news is that a lot of these guys are getting closer to return. Starting with Tommy Hunter, he was actually supposed to be off the IL for the Mets back on Sunday. Had a slight hip hiccup coming off of his lower back tightness. But he's expected to be and uh, rejoin the roster within the next couple of days. So should be with the team for the Rockies series, which is good. Because Tommy, up until his injury, was pitching really well for the Mets and was even eating multiple innings. You know, a guy for the Mets last year that had that big moment. You know, first first time getting on base as a hitter against the Braves. And then he's out for the year, gets traded. Tampa doesn't pitch a game with them. And then the Mets sign him after the season began this year. It's a great story. Love Tommy Hunter. but Another like, guy I played with, by the way of course yes absolutely and then we got tyler to join the men's league
0: so you can say you played with me too
1: (laughs) (laughs) soon enough soon enough but we got tyler mcgill on the bump now too shout out to julie's mom who's a great friend member on the youtube channel mcgill is facing live batters for the first time this friday he's coming back from a shoulder injury he's gonna be huge for the mets down the stretch really it's gonna be how's he going to adjust again to the bullpen now what is his velo going to be like for a guy that said Velo was a factor into his injury, something that his body wasn't accustomed to. Again, touching 99-100 for the first time in his career, that ended up being a factor in his injury, something that people believe with Jacob deGrom. Whether that's true or not, that is, in fact, one of the reasons to Miguel faltering with his shoulder. So it will be interesting to see how much Velo he's pumping in a shorter span, say, going one or two innings, however the Mets want to utilize him, and how, of course, that nasty changeup is. But then you have Drew Smith, another guy, That is not pitching in a while. Someone that will be battling to stay in the bullpen down the stretch in the playoffs if he can perform. And I I hope the best for Drew because he's coming off of that lat strain. He's continuing to throw. And while Buck doesn't have an exact timetable for him right now on facing live batters, he is expected to return in early September, which as we get to the uh, end of August here is obviously not far away. And then we have one of the guys that we discussed, Rek, you didn't expect him to stay on the roster. Neither did I. And you were right. Unfortunately for Nate Fisher, after going through scoreless for the Mets against the Phillies, didn't have any options on his deal, so he was DFA to activate Nito. There's no confirmation if uh, Fisher cleared or if he was picked up by another club. Hoping for the Mets' sake, they keep the guy because, again, who knows? Maybe you do have a dime in the rough for someone that just casually ate three innings after being in a banker a year ago. It's crazy the story that Nate Fisher had, but what a great guy. First National
0: Bank of Omaha.
1: Exactly. So sick. But, and then the one offensive upside we get is of course, Eduardo Escobar is expected to be back in the lineup for the Mets uh, by the weekend. He is someone that is expected to platoon with Beatty. And while we want to see Beatty play every day, I think we kind of will because what's been reported right now is that Escobar won't just be platooning, but he will be viewed as that backup shortstop for Lindor. So I don't expect that to change much just because Lindor has proven that even against the Rockies, lesser opponents, he wants to play every day. I think it's going to be really difficult for Buck to take him out of the lineup, but should there be that rare occurrence where you do see Lindora out of the starting lap against the Rockies or against whoever it may be from the NL central that the Mets play end up in uh, September that you would of course have Eduardo in there where your would command, but your still out for a while. So Beatty, Escobar is going to be interesting. Tandem, how much playing time is Beatty gonna get? Like I said, I thought he had a really solid game in the game two against the Yanks at the time recording this. And also, how are the Mets gonna do matchups now? Again, are you gonna just have Escobar in against lefties? Kind of like how are you doing things for a little bit with Giormay up until their respective injuries? And then Beatty, of course, he can hit against both righties and lefties. How much do you want to potentially sacrifice in a platoon? Versus having him gain every day at bats. I mean, I know that for Escobar and for Beatty, they were taking grounders together at Yankee Stadium. They're building that relationship. That's great to have a veteran like Eddie, who's been there and done that, tell Beatty again the rhythm at the MLB level. And I think, regardless of what Beatty's future holds for the Mets down the stretch, playing time wise, I think he's only going to benefit from this. Something that some fans may disagree with me on saying, oh, if he's not going to be starting every day, drop him back to the AAA and get him more experience. That's a fair argument, but for me personally, I think Beatty is going to benefit more with being with a Mets team that's you know, going down the stretch in the playoffs, seeing a lot of great players and getting to understand third base, work on his defensive game with the club versus the A level. I mean, they have the best guys at the MLB level for a reason, their coaching staff. So I think in my personal opinion, it's best to keep Beatty here, have him grind out at bats, especially against lesser opponents, and see what that gives you.
0: And that was Tyler with this week's injury report. Now over to Anthony with the weather. <laughs> Waiting for like three minutes to do that one. That, that was that was a good, that was a solid four and a half minute injury report, Tyler. Oh, could have
1: easily, easily went ten. That was
0: like me at the beginning of the show.
1: It <laughs> exactly, with your of it.
0: Um, hey, let's get into this Rocky series because the first thing, and look, you know, Anthony, you hit the nail on the head. Their pitching staff is just not good, right? We don't have to sit here and go deep diving in every matchup, especially it's a four-game set. It's 12.20 in the morning on the East Coast for you guys. Wreck hasn't slept in about two weeks. So we don't have to deep dive every Mets-Rockies game. But we've got the matchups for Thursday, Friday, and Sunday. Saturday is still up in the air, TBD. And Thursday, it's going to be Jake versus Ryan Feltner. Now, Feltner... Not I was going to say you. who? Yeah, exactly. Nate Fisher. Um, you know, not a guy, not a guy we really know much about. Hey,
2: three shotty, three shuddy
0: Right? Feltner hasn't fared the same way. Z R A is five eight eight through uh fifty-six and two-thirds innings on the bump. But the number that stands out to me is in those 56 and two-thirds innings, 10 home runs allowed. That's what stands out to me. Rec, you spoke about this team not having a lot of pop. You've got Lindor, Pete, Vogie. I'll even throw Marte in there because I think Marte, you know, when he's on, he goes on those streaks where he could just hit him, you know, five in two weeks. Right. So I think that this is a guy who, what was that? (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. (laughs) So this is a guy who I think really can help this team bust out of a slump. You know, offensively things have not been good. Uh, Looked really bad. Three out of four against the Braves. Philly's, you know, Citizens Bank Park, it's just like death taxes, the Mets scoring at Citizens Bank Park. But then back to Yankee Stadium, uh, the offense reverted to its anemic ways that we've dealt with for the better part of two weeks. This could be a really, really good guy to start the series off with. Then you've got Seabass and Kyle Freeland. Now of the two known Rockies starters over the weekend, Freeland Friday and Herman Marquez Sunday, both of them have high ERAs. Freeland almost at five, Marquez over five. Both of them though, have actually fared pretty well against current Mets hitters. Current Mets just 13 for 50 against Freeland. That's average. It's a 260 clip. Against Marquez, current Mets hitting just a buck 90. They've really struggled against him. I'm hoping, you know, look, it's been a different year so far throughout the first five months of the season. No one, you know, nothing typical Mets, nothing past Mets has happened so far this year. So far. So I'm hoping that the fact that these two guys have stunk in 2022, the Mets can go out there and Capitalized. Now, Saturday, we don't know the pitching matchup, but we do know it's Old Timers Day. So, Rec, I'll start with you since you know you were the biggest snub from this year's Old Timers Day events. <laughs> Any guys on this roster? Um, I know you've played with a couple of them that you're really looking forward to uh, to seeing out there.
2: Uh, To be honest with you. Yeah. I'm looking forward to the two guys that I played with and that's big, sexy Bartolo Colon and Daniel Murphy. I mean, and the reason I think I'm most looking forward to this is because I know when you talk about some of the older guys that are going to be there, they don't, they don't want to like actually play, right? Like they don't want to be out there, like, you know, giving it all they got because they're going to, they're going to hurt themselves. And I think it's funny seeing guys like Bartolo and Murph who literally basically just came off the field a couple years ago. I know those guys can still do it. Murph can wake up and break. I, I have no doubt in my mind. Uh, I even texted him today. He said he ran some sprints and he's getting his body back in shape. You know, he's nice. making sure he still got it. So he doesn't pop anything when he's out there. Uh, I, I, it's going to be funny. I, I just, I don't want them to hurt anybody. And this, I told you guys this, I said, if they let me in this game, it would not be good for the other people because I don't know how to not play really hard And so I I feel like I would have hurt somebody. So I'm glad I'm not out there. And it's going to be interesting to see these guys out there. And I hope they don't, I hope they don't kill anybody.
0: (laughs) 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 Just just don't hurt anybody guys. Could Bartolo still throw 86 and move the ball any way he wants? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) He's been working out trying to still trying to pitch this year.
2: So, I mean, he can still do it. I don't even know if they're going to let him pitch. I want to see him hit. I want to I want to see him hit because he used to put he used to do some pretty fun stuff in BP. I'm yeah. not going to say he was a great hitter by any means, but we all know he hit that home run in San Diego and he could pop one out on occasion in BP. He used to love taking BP. I've Salario. seen it,
0: man. I've seen. It. I was I in the park before it him.
2: opened. You know, I saw. that. Yes, I would love to see him out there getting get an AB or something. That'd
0: be really fun. That'd be amazing, Tyler. You know, from the fan perspective, because obviously you have wreck, which is so cool that you've played with two guys. It's is it weird, by the way? that you're not even 40 and you, you've played with guys that are going to be at old timers day and, and like, yeah, Murph
2: is, I think Murph's younger than me. So yeah, he is weird. Too. like what, <laughs> I can't even believe Murph like isn't still playing because the guy was the best hitter in baseball. Not that long ago. What was it? Five yeah. years ago. I mean, 16 and seventeen. And 17. <laughs> yeah, he was basically the best hitter in baseball. So crazy to me that he's not still playing, but yeah, I, I uh, it's it's weird i don't even like to think about it let's move on let's move yeah. on and,
0: and bartolo on the other hand though i'll, I'll at least say he belongs at old timers day because he might have the uh the old fosto carmona birth certificate thing working <laughs> i'm not sure <laughs> that bartolo cologne's like not 58 years old uh but, but he can still throw it he, he can, can still throw it. <laughs> ridiculous wardy you know from the fan perspective man obviously we're similar in age but you know you're a little bit of a younger fan than me got into it a little later than me who are you really looking forward to
1: seeing um i think it's like three different you know levels of mets fandom right uh Mm -hmm. first is mike piazza just the man on the wall behind me just because I never really got a chance to experience Mike during his prime and all that stuff. So that's, that's going to be really fun for me to actually see him in a Mets uniform playing live like that. And then Cliff Floyd is another one. I'm really excited to see Cliff, you know, especially with those early two thousands Mets. Uh, it's going to be really dope. Cause I feel like Cliff can still has a nice swing. I think he's actually going to have a pretty good game. And then Bartolo. I mean, just because Bart, again, he's one of those guys, that especially my early Mets fandom was a big factor in that. I mean, one the, I'm almost certain that the first, Mets game I went to at City Field was with him pitching, and that's when the Mets were wearing their military uniforms for the game. Um, Rec, you're probably there, if I'm not mistaken. And then I was the definitely there. I was going. probably
2: catching because I, I caught a lot of his starts. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm, I'm sure I'm team, sure you so. were you were. I want to say it was against the pirates, could be wrong, and the Mets ended up winning that game. So yeah, for different reasons, I, I gotta go with Piazza, uh Cliff, and of course Big Sexy. How can you go wrong?
0: Yeah, I mean I'm with young Piazza. Look, he he was my favorite growing up. My uh, and I'll mention this now because it's the appropriate time to mention it. Little League World Series is going on. Uh, I played in that. Went, you know, not in Williamsport, but made it to the Long Island quarterfinals and in the whole regional uh, thing. And was number thirty-one my whole life. Uh, you know, Little League, high school, freshman year of college. Then we got New Jersey sophomore year. Uh, thirty-one wasn't an option. I switched to forty-eight. So you know, looking forward to to seeing Piazza especially as something I think we can all uh, appreciate as Italians. It was really cool for me as a little Italian kid in New York to <laughs> to have this guy to look up to. I think I was him three straight Halloweens. Like ages and he's like managing the
2: Italian WBC team. And he's trying year. to recruit Brandon Nemo. Yeah. Well, he needs uh, to recruit me to coach. I want to coach. I want to be on that. Yeah, I want to be on to to that coach. It.
0: right. it's the Italian team. You could still play, man. You'd be the starting <laughs> catcher. You'd be know you really like Frank feeling,
1: Mike? for the Padres right now. No, oh, Hey see (laughs) this
2: is mike piazza first time i met him uh 2007 he was in oakland with us so spring Mm -hmm. training i'm there i start talking to him and he's he talking to me about you know where he's from pennsylvania i'm from pennsylvania so you know we start we hit it off there and he's like oh yeah hey you should come to my house i throw these big christmas parties it's great and i'm like Wait, what? <laughs> like, <Piazza laughs> just invited me over his Christmas. I didn't First hear from, from him year? again the rest of the yeah, yeah Well, I didn't hear from him again the rest of the year. <laughs> so I, there, you know, the invite was kind of there, but not really. But yeah. at the same time, I was like, "What is going on right now?" This so I think if anything, he owes me a shot on that coaching staff for not actually having me come to his Christmas party was it Nazareth or in Valley Forge, wherever, wherever he had a house. I don't even remember where it was. But.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I've got his PR girl's phone number. I'll, I'll make that happen. I'll put in a call. <laughs> there get you to in that team. Like That's said, how you know
2: you're in a different class when you got a PR person. I don't yeah, know. That's,
0: yeah. I don't know Piazza's number. I, I never played with him in Oakland, but uh, I, oh geez. I mean, I, he is, he was my favorite. I, I mean, given I was eight years old, I think I cried when he signed with the Padres going into 06. That was a, uh, uh, yeah, he's I, – I as long as I remember watching yeah, – He signed States,
2: with the – I don't even remember that. He signed with the Padres. He went Padres
0: and then Oakland, I believe, for two years. And then he retired. I remember that. Yes. Yeah, because he was with the Padres. Pedro, uh, he, he he grooved one for him. Uh, his first at-bat back at Shea in 06. Um, we had LaDuca in 06. Uh, had that mm-hmm. best lineup ever. Um, and Pedro grooved one for him. Standing ovation, curtain call. And then Piazza hit another one, his second at-bat at Shea. And uh, it was a mix of claps and booze on the second home run. But uh, yeah, I love the guy. Uh, you know, he's a guy I want to see. Also, you know, Pedro is a guy I want to see. Obviously, look, the guy's, you know, more known for his time with the Sox and the Expos. And, you know, still says Fred Wilpon ruined his career by making him pitch a meaningless late September game to sell tickets because Don Terrell was the uh, opposing pitcher. But Pedro's a guy who uh, I'd love to see what he's still got in the tank. You know, I don't know, you mentioned the old guys, Cleon Jones, I got his autograph right behind me on the wall from that 69 poster. You know, he's a guy who, who was the best hitter, you know, one of the best hitters in baseball in the 60s, a 340 hitter. I don't know if he can still do it, but just to see him take a hack, even if the ball's coming in at 50 miles per hour, it's something I just think would be so cool to see. Um, and then I'm trying to think, Johnny Franco, Johnny Franco, he's a friend of my stepdad's. I want to see if if he's still got it on the bump. You know, Franco, I mean, I think like Bartolo, he never really... Uh, you know, topped out, topped off past 88, uh, like Bartolo nowadays. Obviously, he was throwing 95 a long time ago. But uh, Franco was just the guy who got guys out, you know, never had the most overpowering stuff. Best pitch was his changeup, but he got guys out. So I'd like to see him out there. Old-timers day is always fun. It's going to be a good time. Saturday, Steve Cohen, I'm thrilled he's bringing this back. Um, just another great move by Cohen. But yep. before we wrap it up, with this series, with the actual – Mets-Rockies series going on. We've mentioned the Rockies don't have a lot of good pitchers on the bump. Rec, what's the biggest thing coming off a four and six road trip that you want to see out of the Mets here? Because I think we're all in agreement. The absolute floor is that you got to win three out of four.
2: Yeah, to be honest with you, look, there's not much I want to see other than I want this offense to show up and do what they're supposed to do. I I don't want to really see, um, you know, these – pitching duels and uh, they need to take care of business with this Rockies team. if they, they have Atlanta, I'm not, look, I still am not panicked about this division. I still think the Mets are going to win it, but these are the types of series you have to at minimum take three out of four. If you want to be comfortably in the lead, Down the stretch because this Braves team is playing really well. Heck, this Phillies team is playing really well. I'm not saying they're making a comeback for the division by any means. But I'm just saying, like, you know, you got other teams playing really good baseball right now. The Dodgers have been playing great baseball for a while. You got to get on the right track and start getting going and and get on a good run. They had a nice run. They're still, I mean, to be honest with you, what are they, 18-9 in the last 27 or something? They're still playing really well. But I just want to see them come out here. They have a team that they should beat. I want to see them come out here and beat them and do it in the way that they should. They should kind of bludgeon this team a little bit. I want to see, you know, some crooked numbers on the board. Also, offensively, I just want to see them get going, and then hopefully they can carry that into September. Well, really, really carry it into that series with the Dodgers, because although it doesn't mean quite as much for them as far as the division and everything else, there's still games that they're going to want to win, and they're still going to want to be able to put their best foot forward in that series, so.
0: Bludgeon—that's that—that's a bit violent from you, Rick. I didn't think you had hey. that in you.
2: <laughs> Occasionally.
0: <laughs> Wardy, biggest thing for you? Are, are we all in agreement? It's the offense. Do you have any anything specific? Any one specific?
1: Um, specifically for the, I, I just, I feel it's almost inevitable that Alonso is going to have a good series. I think it'd be very underwhelming if he didn't. Right. Um. So I think it's a series where I'm excited to see Brett Beatty more than anyone. You know, especially after having this long road trip, it's finally his home debut for the Mets. You know, the crowd's going to be giving him a nice ovation in his first at-bat. And again, you have this matchup now where you go from facing the Red Hot Braves, the Phillies, who are, of course, during this playoff push, to now the Yankees, being immersed in the Subway Series when – the kid two weeks ago probably d- did not have an expectation that this would be happening to now back at home against the Rockies. There's going to be like, what, 1% of Rockies fans there. It's going to be a great attendance for Mets fans at, like every game, regardless on who they match up this year. I think he's going to have a good series, and I, I kind of expect him to, especially with this lesser pitching. I think this is a perfect time for mm-hmm. someone like him to really start to get in a groove in his young career and hopefully give something that can be a spark for the Mets again depth-wise in this lineup down the stretch going to the Dodgers series, and then, of course, all the lesser matchups that they have in September. Not only offensively am I looking with Beatty, but I'm also looking from the pitching side of things. You know, how is the Mets bullpen going to do? Again, it's a four-game stretch. Yes, Jake, hopefully he shoves. I think we all expect him to, obviously. That would be an understatement for game one. Seabass as well, but depending on if Peterson or Williams is pitching, you know, this is the type of series as well where you it's confidence builders. It should be for the Michael Gibbons of the world, or, you know, the lesser guys, maybe you're going to see your buddy gray, who I know that uh, you went to college with not the same years, but of course they called him up. Maybe he's going to get his debut. Uh, I mean, It's going to be interesting to see pitching wise, but again, talking about confidence boost, this shouldn't be universal, not just from the offensive side of the ball, but of course from the pitching side too. This is the time for the Mets to take advantage the same way that the Braves have every single series they played this year against a team below 500.
0: Well, hopefully if we do see Connor Gray, my fellow St. Bonaventure Bonnie, it's because we're winning 11-0 in the sixth or seventh inning. Yeah. Love my school. Love the guy. Well, I don't know the guy, but I love him because he went to my school. (laughs) I don't want to see him unless we're up 11-0. So hopefully hopefully that's the case. Uh, By the way, if he does actually appear in a game, he'd be the first Bonnie to do so in the MLB since uh, 1944. So it would be pretty cool to get Connor Gray in there. Uh, Guys, that does it. You know, We've got the Rockies this weekend. Let's just take care of business, right? Like Anthony said, let's bludgeon them. Uh, for Anthony Wrecker, you can follow him on Twitter. I've got it up this time. Uh, at Anthony <laughs> underscore record. Look for that checkmark. Uh, and on Instagram at AnthonyWrecker20, even though he doesn't really use it much. Uh, <laughs> go follow Wardy subscribe of course to the YouTube channel if you haven't already like his stuff subscribe to it helps us out guys so do us that solid at WardyNYM NYM on Twitter I'm at the Joe Soralo on Twitter at Joe Sorallo on Instagram so catch us all there and we will see you after the Rockies series
2: thank you for listening to believe